theyeshiva.net. So, in the last two classes, we uh, learned the first, uh, the first section, the first parik, first chapter of the Maimer of the Balatanya, Shapsoy Saitishmoiru, Umigdashi Tiro, and Parshas Bahar. And usually at the end of a parik, you just go to the next parik. But here, there's a little kitzer that probably the Tzamach Tzedek wrote. So we could read the Kitzer, and it'll be a better summation than I will give, because my summations tend to uh, digress. So Kitzer, you see where we are, Mem Aleph, column 2, or page 81. Kitzer, Inyan Ilmali Shomri Yisrael Shtesh HaBosas. The beginning of the Maimah spoke about what the Gemara says in Shabbos, Tavkof Yudches, that if Yisrael would keep two Shabbosim, they would be redeemed. And he explained what means two Shabbosim. You remember that there's two levels in each Shabbos, which we're going to get back to, which we're going to get back to. Then he discussed Inyan Oilas Tamid V'Inyan Oilas Shabbos. You see how the Kitzer is. Then he discussed the fact that Shabbos is Aliyas Oilamas. Oilas Shabbos means everything goes up on Shabbos. Everything is reframed on Shabbos. Everything is reinterpreted on Shabbos. But in order for that to happen, you first need the Oilas Tamid, which is every day. <laughs> There's a particle of Shabbos every day during davening. And when you <coughs> reframe your life during davening, then everything could go up on Shabbos. Then he asked the question, Ma'u pirush aliyah, why do you have to go up anywhere? Isn't God everywhere? What does it mean to even go up? And then from this he went into the whole subject of why the soul came into the body which was a great descent, but it's also Tzarech Aliyah for a deeper ascent. He doesn't get into the specifics here, he's just giving the outline of the structure of the first Pedic. And of course, the last major point that he, we learned was that the difference between the Neshama and everything else in existence, even Malachim, even angels, meaning not only physical existence, even spiritual existence, is that everything is defined as Hashem's Dibur, Hashem's words, Vayoymer, Bidvar Hashem. And an Ashama is Yisrael Allah b'machshav, is defined as divine thought versus divine speech. And uh, that's the reason why by the Neshama, the expression is, Vayipach ba'ap of Nishmas Chaim, right? Everywhere else, it doesn't say about anything, Hashem blew. He spoke, he didn't blow. By a Neshama it says, Vayipach ba'ap of Nishmas Chaim. He blew the soul of life into Adam Arish. What's the difference? Obviously, it's a metaphor. The difference is, it says in Zoya, When you speak, speaking is more external. That's why people could speak for hours and not get too exhausted. Everybody else gets exhausted. But blowing, yeah, when you blow shoifer, <laughs> so you can blow for a while, but not for very long. Why? Because the pnimius, the pnimius hakayach, it's something from much deeper, something internal. So this is like a metaphor. There's a difference between speech, which is externalized, it could become, it becomes separate from me, it goes outside of me, what he calls a levush hachitzay, and sometimes you can be quiet, silence, versus machshava, which is also a levush, it's a garment, but it's a levush apnimi, it's always there with me, it's an internal garment, and it reflects the person to themselves. Thought is how I process myself to myself. Hopefully, in most cases, the machshava is taka a good levush, it expresses who I am. It always expresses who I am. But sometimes the machshava expresses one aspect, or the machshava expresses another aspect. Here we're talking about the divine thought. 
Here we're talking about the divine thought. So the divine thought, that's what a neshama is. So it's completely from the primius of Elikos. If that's the case, the question is, why did it come down? <coughs> what type of aliyah are you looking for when this is the neshama? And he explained also why we say in davening, HaMelech HaMeroimam Levadei Meyaz, Right? Real empathy and compassion. When we think of empathy, we think it's a Rachmanis. But really what he says in this Maimer is, empathy means that you recognize greatness. Right? You have empathy on something or somebody that really ought to be in a better place, a higher place. So Rachmanim itself doesn't only bring out the pain, it also brings out the exaltedness which causes the pain. Once you realize who you are, you're part of HaMelech HaMerumam Levadei Meyaz HaMashubach HaMafayim HaMasasim HaMasayim then there's the Berachamech HaNabim Racham Aleinu. That's why empathy, compassion is so powerful because it underscores the depth of the soul. It underscores the contrast between who it is and the Yerida, the descent experience it goes through. That was the last point. And this is all for an Aliyah. And what is that Aliyah? That's the very brief summation of, of Peter Kalif. Now we'll continue Peter Base. That's a good question. So the truth is that here he doesn't bring the word Vayipach. I'm bringing it from uh, in Tanya Perik Beis and in Egeris HaTshuva in Tanya he does bring the Vayipach. There he brings both. So the truth is that it brings out different aspects of Pneumius. There's one aspect that's brought out through blowing. There's another aspect that's brought out through uh, through Neshama, through, uh, through Machshava. And the truth is, by, by a person, it also says, Vayoymer. Just for, it says, Vayoymer elikim nasa adam betzalmenu kidmuseinu. It says, Vayoymer over there too. <laughs> because the, the neshama has to also go through a process until it goes into the goof. So over there, there's also a dibur. But in its shayrish, in its, in its core, it's an Indian of machshava. So it's different stages in the evolution of the soul itself. Remember, the soul itself goes through a pretty serious process. From from Machshava all the way uh, down to uh, entering into the person's body, and the metaphor, the famous metaphor in Tanya is a child. A child begins as the seed or the egg of the father and the mother. Right, child is actually begins pre that. It's it's rooted in, in in the very essence of the mother's body and the father's body, and then there's the seed and the egg. But that still is not a child. That goes through a whole process. There has to be a release and there has to be conception and, uh, and internalization until it develops into an embryo and the, the chibur, the synthesis, and the cell is, emerges and then from there a whole fetus has to be developed until there's a full-fledged baby. So the question is, on which dimension of the child are you talking about, right? When your mother sees you, she doesn't see what I see, right? <laughs> when a mother looks at somebody, even if her son is 60 years old, what does she see? A baby, a miss. <laughs> Some mothers never even think that their child ever left the womb. In his dimyan he left, in his own imagination. It's your problem, it's not her problem. <laughs> so there's different, st- you understand, so that's a metaphor, there's different stages in, in the alignment of the, of the soul with its source. Yeah. Yeah, of course, but davening is the conscious, the time to consciously... Uh, create that alignment, consciously doing it, and it's also a special time and an energy that the Rabbi Nishalaylam provides, whether it's chakras, mainly it's chakras, obviously it's mincha, 
Then there's the words of Rabbi Yochanan. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan said, Olavai she yispal Alavai, a person should have an all day, which also means to be in that state. Shavisi Hashem l'negdi summit. Peinik base. V'inyin haliyah. To understand the concept of this haliyah. This, this maimed is a, is a, it's a pretty, have, it's pretty deep maimed. So a lot of concepts, and it's a long maimed also. Things will become clearer also as we continue. V'inyin haliyah yuvan alpi maimed boidik doshim yishtabach shem chalat. To understand, to begin to understand the Aliyah, meaning, what do we mean the Aliyah? What the soul achieves in its journey of this world. So let's go back to the text of Davening Shachers. Again, the same section, right after Baruch the first blessing before Krishna, which he already discussed part of that, when he spoke about right? So the next paragraph, is Baruch Lanetzach, Tzureinu Malkeinu Vegeleinu, What's the literal translation over there? So it is It's just good to also know <laughs> what the text of davening is. It is barich lanetzach tzureinu malkeinu v'gealeinu. Three expressions: Our Creator, our King, and our Redeemer should be blessed for eternity. What's barich doishim? The one who creates holy ones. Yishtabach shimcha laad malkeinu. The name of our king should be praised forever. Now it's Yoitzim Mesharsim. He forms servants. Mesharsim are those who serve him. Vashem Mesharsim and his servants. Mesharsim kulam oimdim berumaylam. They stand in the height of the world. Mashmiim bekal divrei lekim chayim umelachayla. So it's just nosach Ashkenaz is just tiny little nuance differences, but that's the this text. I think is almost identical. And kulam ahovim kulam brud. So he's going to focus on these words. Who's Kedoshim? Most people would say it's the Malachim, but the Malachim is the next sentence. So he says, Kedoshim is actually the souls, Neshamas. That's why in Shemayin we say in the third blessing, Ata Kaddish V'Shimcha Kaddish. And then, Ukedoshim B'chol Yoyim Yalaluchasela. The holy ones every day praise you. Selah, the Gemara says in Erevin, means eternity, for eternity, always, consistently. So who's the Kedoshim and Shemayin It's the Neshamas, the Kayal HaNeshamas. And that's why it comes after Kedusha, that's why it comes after Kedusha. Right? The Chazan says, Mechaya HaMesim. You do Nakdishach, or Nekadosh, whatever it is. You go through what the Malachim say. Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish. A mashal shem l'cha kedusha. A kedusha chum naritzach. Kenoyam siyach soy tzarfei kaddish. Tzarfei kaddish are the malach. And what do they say? A mashal shem l'cha kedusha. Mashal shem is they say three times kedusha. Right? Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish. Lo masa meshapchim v'aymenim. It's another group of angels that say Baruch v'ayd Hashem im kaimai. Which is a repeat of what we did earlier before Krishna. Just now you do it in Chazar Sashatz. And right after that, Ata kaddish v'shim cha kaddish. Ukdoshim b'chal yayim alalukhasela. So the Balatanya says, you just spoke about the Halalukhi and Kedusha. She says it's two separate things. First, you say the say the Kedusha, the order of holiness that comes from the angels. Kaddish, Baruch, and Yimlach. There's three sections. There's Kaddish, 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 Hashem Tzvayis, Melchalaritz Kvayde. Lo Masam Meshapchim Vaimnim, Lo Masam Baruch Yamele, depends which Nusach you have. 
I don't want anybody to feel uh, estranged. It's not negay the nusach here. Baruch kvoid Hashem im kaimai, and then b'divrei kachshecha yim lechashem loyelam lekaksun devadet hallelujah. So there's three parts of the kedusha. That's hamashalshim lechak kedusha. There's kaddish, 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 and there's also three different sections. Yimlech. After that, afekach oimrim oid ukedushim bechal yoyim elulachasal alanishamus. Once you finish with the angels, that's kedusha. Now we go to the souls. Ukedushim bechal yoyim elulachasal. Why do the malachim come first and the second? Because you go in an order from lower to higher. First, the holiness that comes out from the malachim, shamalachim yeshlam guf. The malachim have some form of body. He's going to explain what he means by a guf. Not a, it doesn't mean a physical organism like a human being or a mammal. But the fact is, malachim are also called chayos hakodesh. Chayos hakodesh means holy, literally holy chayos, holy. Holy animals, holy living beings, right? So he says, Malachim Eshlam Guk, which is Bidaniel, Siminyud, Ugviyasai Ketarshish. Speaking about an angel, Gviyasai, Gviyasai means his body. The Gviya is a body. The Guf is Ketarshish, is made out of the Tarshish, a type of uh, a, mar- a mar- marble stone, which is again, what does it mean? Uksiv, it says in, in Tehillim, it says in Kuvdalet, Barchinafshi, Oisim Alach of Ruchos, Mishars of Eshloyet. He makes his malachim out of ruach. Ruach is, so to speak, ruach, ear, energy. Mesharsov are made out of a glowing fire, Eish Loyet. The Ramban explains that in the four elements, Eish, Ruach, Mayim, Afar, the goof of the malachim is made out of Eish and Ruach. Because Eish and Ruach, fire and ear, are uh, much more subtle, less earthy, less brute. They're more subtle elements, just like we see in the physical world, the difference of fire, ear, versus water and earth. Earth is extremely tangible. Water is more tangible, even though it's fluid. Ruach, you can't even see with your eyes. And then you have Esh, which you can see with your eyes, but completely intangible. You can't hold it. So there's different Yisoyed, different elements. The Malachim, the Pasuk says, are made from Esh and Ruach. But the fact that you're describing that they're made of Esh and Ruach is already a description connected to a guf. Now, when you say a guf, it's just important to understand. He doesn't mean here a physical body. Malachim don't have a physical body. The definition of a malach is it's spiritual. But he means that the energy within spirituality itself, it's more concrete. It's more tangible in Ruchnius itself. There's Ruchnius Shabir Ruchnius and there's Gashmius Shabir Ruchnius. It comes down in a more concrete, tangible way. So a guf could be also exist on different levels. That's why Chazal say that malachim occupy space. What does it mean they occupy space? Does again it doesn't mean it doesn't mean space physically. The Gemara says in Chagiga sheyesh malach gadol malach tofkuf shana. There's a malach who's so great takes five hundred years. The mahalach tofkuf shana to go through this malach takes five hundred years of walking. Yesh malach b'shlish oylam. There's a malach that occupies a third of the universe. What does all this mean? The fact that you're describing even these terms, you're already talking about the guf. It's important to understand these things in a subtle way. When you say space, it doesn't mean physical space. The Rambam says in Ilchis, he said, there's physical space and there's spiritual space. Spiritual space means a certain state in which you're in. Like, for example, somebody will say a svara, an idea, and you'll say, it'll say in svara, svara zu ein la 
this idea has no space. What does it mean? It has no space. There's no space on the table. There's no space in the bench in the base medrash for this one. This svara hotkein in Yiddish hotkein artnished. There's no space for this idea. What does it mean? There's no space for this idea. You can't fit it into the shul. Makim here doesn't mean there's no physical space. It has no space, meaning there's no space in the world where it could exist because it's foolish. It's folly. It's a shtus. It's an arishkeit. So makim could mean different things. There's makim and gashmi, something that occupies physical space. There's something that occupies makim ruchni, but it also has a particular space. That you could say is something that's related to gashmi. Real ruchni doesn't have the, is not defined by a space or not a space. So therefore, if they exist in some form of space, they must also exist in some form of time. Because space and time always go together. In fact, he says, they were created as one b'china. This is a gewaldig echidish today, after Einstein, this is like a big yisoyed. That space, that time is a property. It's one of the dimensions of reality. It's not an absolute reality. In fact, time is relative. <laughs> Based on the makam, the zman changes also. But that's a gewaldic echidish, literally, of uh, our times of the 20th century that, you know, changed physics and changed science. But uh, here he says it, that zman and makam is one pchina. It's one pchina. Shneim nivram pchina echad. It's one akuda. It's expressed one way in time, and it's expressed another way in space, and therefore they're always relative to each other. So if you speak about malachim in terms of space, you're also talking about time. And therefore, And therefore they have a fixed time when they say shira. The Chazal discusses in Chulin, there's a time that the malachim say shira, they sing. Neshamas are not defined by space, and they're not defined by time. They're called Kedoshim. Kedosh Hainu Muvdal. The word Kedosh means holy, but the real definition of Kedosh is completely aloof. Rashi says, Kedoshim to you, Prushim to you. Aloof of what? Aloof of any type of definition, even a spiritual definition, which imposes space or time. The neshama, the way it is, innately, pristine, it's completely beyond any tangible definition that connects it to time or space. Unlike the malachim, and therefore the soul doesn't stop singing. The malachim, you don't say and you don't say sela. By the neshamas, you say after the kedusha of the malachim, which is time and space, the Zukdashim, the souls who are Kaddish, they're completely beyond any definition of Guf, Bechal Yaim, and even every day it's sell, it's always. In other words, there's no time that it doesn't exist because it's not defined by time. Kemaimer, as it says in Tehillim, Yelchu Mechayel El Chayel, they go from strength to strength, the Gemara says at the end of Brachas, Talmidei Chachamim, Ein Lahem Menucha, Loi Ba'elam Hazav, Loi Ba'elam Habash, Nemar, Yelchu Mechayel El Chayel, this is a statement. There's no such a thing as moving spiritually without music, without singing, without a song. When a soul needs to move and transport itself from one space to another place, space, it's always a shir. It's always through song, shir. 
So that's the connection why the shear is always, because it's always ascend, it's always ascending. It's always, there's no time that it's not, and there's no space it's not, because it's beyond makim and beyond zman. It's the concept of selah. We're talking about the neshama now innately, not the guf, the neshama itself. That's a neshama. There's the famous Mishnah in Shabbos, in the Perik Bameh Behema Yoytze. What, when you take out an animal on Shabbos, so there's an expression there in Mishnah, is kol bale hasher, yoytzen basher, v'nimshachin basher. Shin yud reish, in Hebrew, also means a collar. Like, you know, the collar you have on a, on a dog or another domesticated animal. So the Mishnah says, kol bale hasher, all animals that have a share, that have a, a leash, a collar, yoytzen basher, you could take them out Shabbos to the public domain basher. It's not called carrying. Because it's like a garment. It's like you go out with a shirt. You go out with a jacket on Shabbos. You're allowed to. Why are you allowed to go out with a shirt on Shabbos you carry? The answer is because there's no chiv on Shabbos to walk without clothes. And it's just a happen, Right? It's like the person walks out. You're wearing glasses. You're wearing a hat. You're wearing... It's not... Um, if you carry... It's, it's derech halavush. So this is part of the animal. V'nim shachin basher. And they could be pulled. They could be drawn in order they shouldn't get lost. Even though it's Shabbos and it's no erev. That's kol balasher. It's the word shir means a collar, a leash, but it also comes the same letters like shir. So the Altarebbe once said a maimon and he said, Kol bale hashir. All the bale hashir, all the masters of shir, of music, which is malachim and hashamas, yoitzin, whenever they want to go out of themselves and they want to go up to a higher space, it's always bashir. It's always through a music, through a song. Venim shachin. And when they want to communicate, when they want to be mamshich, melmaila lamata, downward, it's also, it's also bashir through a nigan. So that's what he's saying here. All hiluch and aliyah, what are the wings of the soul? What are the instruments that a neshama uses when it wants to transport itself from one place to another place? And the answer is, negina. Right? If you want to go from one place to another place, you use your feet. If it's a little far, you may use a car. If it's very far, you may use a boat. Or in today's days, an airplane. Right? But what are the wings of the soul? The soul also wants to move. How does the soul move? And the answer is, call hilach they shir. It's through shir. That's the power of. That's the power of shir. The power of nigan. Huh? String theory. Yeah. <laughs> Vibrations. So therefore, vigam rabim. Also, another point. Kedoshim is in the plural. It doesn't say kadosh. Because there's not one space that you go to. The Kedoshim is deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's why the praise is eternal. And he explains. What's the idea of praising? When we say Yahalalucha, what does it mean to praise? They just sit and praise the whole day? Hashem needs all these compliments? He says no. Hillel, which is also the word halal, really what it means is, it's not you're sitting and giving me compliments all day. That's not what Hillel is. Hillel, which means praise, it means something else. It's the pleasure. It comes from the hasaga. Hasaga means comprehension, experience. The hasaga and the tainug and the ecstasy, the delight in elokus and godliness. And that's really the definition of ganeidin. What's ganeidin? It's the ecstasy, it's the pleasure, the geschmack of the souls, as they comprehend, as they contain, the radiance of the Divine Presence. That relationship, that experience, 
is full of light and full of pleasure. And you praise it. Praising is the experience of ecstasy, the melting away in the pleasure and simcha. That is the praise. Al Derech Shamr Razal, the Gemara says in Chagiga about Acher. Mutav de Ladaine, Velaisil Alma de Ossi, Shekadaiko Yisuri Gehenim, Af Gambish Viltaina Ganed Natacht. It said it's good, it's better for Acher to be judged and ultimately come to Elam Haba, even though there's the pain of Gehenim in order for the pleasure even of Ganeid Natachta, which is the lower level of paradise. But there's really many, many states of consciousness. That's why it's Kedoshim. Even though generally in Svarim, when he says Svarim here, he means Svarim of Kabbalah. There's usually two levels, Ganeid Na'el and Ganeid Natachta. So he says, It only means that they revealed to us two levels, and that's even those that they revealed it to them. It's not just words. But really, he says, So that's why the praise is constant. It's never interrupted. Why? Because my state of consciousness today is for today. But tomorrow, there's a much deeper time when I reach and I experience much more. So this is all explaining what Kedoshim are. And yet the word is He creates Kedoshim. So there's two words. It says Boide and it says they praise your name. So he says that's significant. Not you, but your name. Now what's the difference? That's how we say in Hebrew. They praise your name. It doesn't say they praise you. They praise your name. He says no, this is very significant. With all what we're saying about a soul and Kedoshim, all the way to the highest level, it's beyond time, it's beyond space. There's infinite levels and therefore it's Selah. Still, it's Yishtabach Shim Chalad, your name. Ah. Only your name, yeah. Even though it's forever. And this is expressed in the Maimah Chazal, this is a brachas daf yudzayin. They enjoy, they bask in the radiance. Ziv means the light, the, in Yiddish, the upshine, the glimmer, the ray of the shechina. It doesn't say nenim mehashchina, it says nenim miziv that's the expression in Gemara. Bizoyar nikribaloshin oir. In Gemara, it's going to be called ziv. If you look in Zoyar, the term is going to be light. Same concept. The light emanates from the source of light. It's the ziv. It's a ziv. Ziv and oir are the same concept. The expression in Eitzchayim, this is already the Arizal, is oir and soif. This you're not going to have in Gemara. Or in Zoyar, you have in the writings of the Arizal, when he wants to describe godliness, the expression is Oyr Ein Saif, the light that is infinite, the light of infinity, Oyr Ein Saif. Pirosh, why did Chazal, whether in Zoyar, Gemara, or Kabbalah, Kisve Harizal, use the word Oyr or Ziv? Pirosh, Aldarach Moshal, Oyr Hashem, Rishamelor, If we take an example of the light of the sun that shines, it casts its light on Eretz. Eretz is earth. Viladarim and those who live on earth. Like we say in the morning, Ameir, La'aretz, Viladarim Aleha. 
the sun casts its light on the la- on the planet, not just on us, on the planet. That's respons- responsible for all vegetation and produce and photosynthesis. It's all you need light. Without light, nothing is going to happen. The energy of our planet. But there's also La Dorimala, those who live on the planet. We also enjoy the sun personally, the light of the day. Huh? Vitamin D, of course. <laughs> The light is a ziv, it's a ray, it's a, it's a radiance from the sun. But relative to the core, to the source of the light, it's considered like naught, like ayin. Ayin is naught and ephes is nothingness. What do we mean? It's very significant. The light of the sun is very, very significant. There would be no life on our planet if the sun took a vacation. The question is, what's the relationship of a ray of light that comes from the sun and gives you your vitamin D, or allows your garden to produce its fruits, or brings light or heat into your home or into your body? What is that ray, what is the significance of that ray relative to the solar core? They call it the solar core, the etzem HaShemesh itself. There won't even be a change in the sun. If you decide if the clouds are going to block the sun, or you're going to pull down the the blinds, and the the window of your home is going to block the sun, and therefore the light won't be allowed to travel through because you blocked it. He says it doesn't create any change but Mayr Hashemesh in the core of the sun. It's not like the sun is going to come home crying, you know, they didn't accept my light. <laughs> the sun remains completely wholesome, wholesome, even though the ray wasn't allowed to travel because it was blocked. It's extremely significant for the recipient of the light. It's very significant because that ray may have everything. May be his entire source of energy. But to reduce the entire sun to the ray of light is ridiculous. The ray of light is, comes from the sun. It's an aspect of the sun. And it's a true, genuine reflection of the sun. But what is it relative to the solar core? He says it's Kayan Ve'ephes. In the solar core it say, itself, it wouldn't have even any substance. We notice it because it's outside of the sun. Kach, Pirush, That's why. The Zohar and the Arizal always use the word Eirein Why not the Ein Seif? The Eirein Always the light of the Ein Seif. As the Gemara says, Ziv HaShchina, the light. Why Eir? Hurak p'chines ha'ara ha'mespashet v'nimshechem ene yizbarach. To not understand that all the energy, the entire consciousness, that is responsible for all the energy of the world. It's true. It's like the light of the sun. But it's ultimately a ha'ara. Ha'ara means a ray. Hamispashit, which extends from him, like the light of the sun that comes from the sun. Why is this so important? We'll soon see. But one aspect I just want to emphasize right away is, you always have to know the difference between the core of the sun and the light of the sun in your own life. The light of the sun gives tremendous chios. It gives, as I said, our life here is dependent on it. MS. But you cannot define the sun by the ray of the sun. And even if there's a distortion in the ray, meaning it gets blocked, it's not like the sun got destroyed. The sun didn't get destroyed. Not only didn't get destroyed, it didn't get compromised. 
it didn't get distorted. And that's extremely an important idea. Because what it's saying is, if we're going to use the concept of mipsari using it as a metaphor for our life, in your own life, as we'll see later in the Maimah, there's two aspects. There's the core and there's the air. The earth is that which comes out in a revealed way and is internalized by you. But that could never capture the full essence. And a change in that will not distort the essence. So let's say a person goes through, on a practical level, let's say a person goes through different experiences in life, right, that turn their life into darkness. There's no earth anymore. The earth gets blocked. There could be blockages that block, as he gives an example of clouds. That's one type of darkness. And another type of darkness is you shut the window, the window shutters, the chaloyne habayis, you don't let it in. It's two different types. One is this clouds, and one is the person actually closes the windows, or they never open the window in the house. So the oir doesn't reach into the person. So you could think that it affects the essence of the Shemesh. He says, no, 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 it never affects the essence of the Shemesh. The essence of the sun is never, ever affected by that. The question is, how much did the ray travel and is experienced by the recipient according to their level? Now, this is only a metaphor because we don't have the sun in our house. If you would have the sun in your house, we would all be toast. We would eat ourselves for breakfast as good toast if there would be somebody left to eat it. But the metaphor here is, when you talk about the light of Hashem, he says it's only the light, it's not the Ein Saif. And the light shouldn't be confused with the Ein Saif, even though the light is everything, but it's also Ayin Ve'efes. So even if there's a change in the Ayin, it's only a change in how much you can experience the light. But in the essence of the Ein Saif, there's never ever any distortion. And that's one of the biggest Saidas the big ideas that are going to be conveyed, that there's no such a thing that a person's core is dark, that a person's core is destroyed, that a person's core is lost. The difference between light and darkness can only happen on a level of oir, not on a level of etzem. In the state of etzem, there is always wholesomeness. Ah, you say, the light didn't travel anywhere. It was completely, completely snuffed out of me. But the Etzem HaShemesh is fully, fully present. The question is, how do I find the tools to be able to access that part of me? So in a very vivid way, what it means is that sometimes a person experiences in life traumas or wounds that results in a certain perception of who they are but you always have to be able to make a distinction between the perception of who you are and who you are. Perception is a big thing, because that's what we live with. We live with light. We live with perception, right? That's what we live with. I'm always telling myself who I am. But perception of self is not self. Perception of self is the earth that comes from the self. You understand what I'm saying? So this is a very important distinction, to be able to always know that the sun, the core is infinite. The core is divine. The core is sacred. And the core is always in a state of wholesomeness and perfection. Distortion can happen on a level of light, never on a level of essence. Klar? I'm just trying to bring out right away, you understand, it's not some uh, philosophical uh, abstract ideas about etzim and oy. It has this extremely profound relevance to a person's life. When a person knows that everything is different, because you always have a reference point of wholeness. And that wholeness is essential.
So now we go further. This light had to go through tzimtzumim, meaning many filters, in order for the kedoshim, for the holy ones to be able to absorb it, to be able to really experience it. If I look straight at the sun, I'm going to be blinded. You have to look through special glasses. In other words, the light has to be filtered for me to be able to really absorb it and internalize it. They could land on the moon. At the moment, they're not landing at the sun. Even with Jeff Bezos' money, nobody's landing on the sun. If they want somebody to land. There has to be tzimtzumim. You have to have filters. So it says, you get back to the, what we said in Davani. This dimension that the Zoyar called light, in Medrash, it's called a name. Or, or in Tanakh, it's called a name. So now we have another, another reference. There's a famous Medrash called Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer. The chapters of Rabbi Eliezer attributed to Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol. Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus, who was one of the greatest Tanoim of his generation, the Rebbe of Rabbi Akiva, lived at the end of the Bayez Sheni, after Churban Bayez Sheni. Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol is called. Rabbi Eliezer the Great. So in Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer he says, These are his words. Before the world was created, what existed? Hashem and his great name alone. What does this mean? I understand pre-creation Hashem existed. What does it mean his name existed? (laughs) He and his name. (laughs) It's a very interesting expression. Before Hashem existed. No. Who Ushmoy Hagadabulvat? Only him and his name. Don't think anybody else. Him and his name. Which name exactly existed? What he had a name, he had a reputation. Huh? Exactly, it's already not Bulvat. <laughs> so he says, Everything. This is a very interesting expression. Hakol, meaning. When it says in Gemara Ziv, it says in Zoyar Ur, it says in Eitzchayim Ur in Soif, and it says in Pikr the Blessed Shame, it's all one Akud, it's all one Kavana. To understand the vitality, to understand that the vitality of godliness that gives life to all the worlds, don't think it redefines the atzmi as the core. So why do they use different words? Because that's how it is. Every medrash... Every person speaks in a different language. Every medrash speaks with different metaphors, different parables. It says that Shleimah Melech, when he spoke, he gave 3,000 mashalim, metaphors, parables. So the says it doesn't mean 3,000 metaphors on different things. No, one thing could be conveyed in 3,000 ways. That's how he touches it. One thing you could say in 3,000 different ways. You hear? So mainly you could call it oir, you could call it shame. If you go to Tanakh, in Tanakh you won't find this metaphor of Ur by Ein Seif, but you'll find a lot of shame. Hashem's name. Hashem HaGadol. What's the relationship of your name to you? Let's take the name of Avram. He uses the name of Avram for obvious reasons. First of all, it starts with an Aleph, and second of all, it's the first Jew. 
What's the relationship of the name they give you to you, to you? What, what would you say? On one hand, it's your name. It's not somebody else's name. It's your name. And when I call you by that name, you turn around. But he says, You can't compare the words of the name Furthermore, if you were living alone on an island, you don't need the name, right? When, you, when, you're, when you're communicating to yourself, do you first call yourself by name? Rebavram, <laughs> I want to tell you something. The name you don't need for yourself. Imkolza, on the other hand, on the other hand, the name is not separate. Your energy is enclosed in the letters of the name. Says Hashem brought all of the living creatures, the living animals, to Adam, and whatever the name He gave it, that became His name. What's the big chiddush? Anybody could. What did He need it, Adam? So it's explained in Svarim. The Shalom famously explains. That Hashem says in Medrash, Hashem told him, Allah, Adam's wisdom is greater than yours because you can't give anybody names. Adam could give names. What's the big deal? Call this a table and this a tissue box and this a cup. The answer is the names in Lashen Kodesh are not random names. They are channels for the unique spiritual chemistry of that particular item. In other words, on, a lion has to be called an arye, and mayim, water, has to be called mem yud mem because the physical and spiritual chemistry of water what is it, two atoms of, uh, of, uh, of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen, right? <laughs> huh? H2O. So mem, mem and yud. Mem, yud and mem, right? Two atoms of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen. You need those letters, the spiritual chemistry of water, which is the source of the physical chemistry of water, goes through these letters. Because every letter of the olive base is a different number, a different form, and a different energy and a different meaning. You can't confuse it unless you don't want to end up with water. You want to end up with fire. Then you have olive shin. You want a rock, you need olive beis nun. So when Adam gave a name, Chamer, Gomel, Shur, Sus, Aryeh, Doiv, Namar, Bart, whatever the name is, these are not random names. It's names that are channels for the chios. And on the other hand, what's the relationship of you and your name? If you wouldn't have a name, if you would have had another name, it would be funny, right? But would your personality change? Would you change? Would your essence change? Maybe sometimes it affects your personality. What's the relationship of the name to the person? It's not just random. We all agree this should be called a table. If tomorrow we decide, if Webster, Mr. Webster decides that a table is a chair and a chair is a table, I mean, it won't be convenient. But okay. It's not going to destroy the world. It's fine. A table is a chair and a chair is a table. Today in America, they're constantly doing these things. They ain't kind of But, uh, but, <laughs> yeah. In Lashon Kodesh, you have to be careful. A name is a name. A name is a name. Adam, Adam gave names. The name of Lashon Kodesh is a vessel for the chios of Hashem that goes into the letters of this name. And it comes from the Asara Mamaris, from the Ten Utterances. It's also true with a person. What was your name before your soul came into your body? Anybody knows? So the Alter Rebbe says, the soul before it comes into the guf doesn't have a name. It's nameless. It doesn't have a name. 
So who does the name belong to? The body? What's a corpse going to do with a name? So what's the name for? The soul doesn't have a name. The body doesn't need a name. The name represents the link, the connection. The life force that comes from the soul and gives vitality the body that gets nishrash. Nishrash means eingewurzelt. Uh, how do you say it? Nishrash becomes rooted, anchored in the name. The name captures that shidduch, that shidduch between neshama and guf. The vitality of Reuven's soul and his body is conveyed in the first two letters, Reish Aleph, Reuven. Because Reuven's soul and body represented the dimension of seeing, which is the Reish Aleph, hey, Ra'oi, Ra'oi. The Medjish beginning of Shmois goes through the names of the Shvatim and says, I saw the pain of the Jewish people, that's Reuven. Leah, when he was born, she saw, she saw Leah had eyes. The Arizal says that when our parents give a name, there's an element of Ruach HaKadosh, divine inspiration. That's why sometimes grandparents get upset at the name that the, the children gave. They don't have to get upset. It's, it's an Indian of Ruach HaKadosh. You don't have to take it personally. But the Arizal says it's Ruach HaKadosh. By Leia, he says it's deeper. She saw it. She didn't have to rely. She saw Reuven. She saw the energy. So Mela, she called him Reuven. Chazal say, Rashi brings. She said, Reu ma bni. The difference between Reuven and the son of my father-in-law, Esav. It also says that she said, um, what was logic? So Reuven is, is Re'iyah. I just want to learn another few lines just to finish the Nekudah. Al-Tarebbe now gives out one of his klolem. Here's the principle in life. Any big thing that needs to filter itself in order to provide life for a lower state of consciousness, that's always the name. That's what a name means. Here's the, the definition of a name is not for me. If I would remain completely connected to me, I don't need a name. The name represents, when you say the name of something, it represents, he says, Dover HaGadl, a great thing that needs to filter itself, to be communicated to another space, that relationship, that symptom, is defined by what is your name. Just like we say, this person has a name. What does a name mean? A reputation, right? You have this name, this name. What does reputation mean? The way you're perceived by people. Is that who you are or is that who I think you are? When I say, I know your name, what do I know? That's what I know. I know your name. Do I know you? Even with yourself, do you know you or do you know yourself through your name? He says, the soul itself doesn't have a name because it is it. But when I talk to myself, I always talk to myself sometimes, not always, I could talk to myself through my name, which means 
I don't only mean, mean, mean name as a, a particular name. I also mean through my name, which means I talk to myself through my reputation that I have with myself. You also have a reputation for yourself, you're right? The fact that your reputation you have of yourself is much more important than the reputation that experienced by other people, because that reputation really defines you. How do you think of yourself? He says, that's name. The name is not you. It's how you process yourself. Or in other words, it's your oil. It's the light. It's the light of the sun. It's not the sun. It's the way the sun is processed into my house. How do I know about the sun? I'm not on the sun. I'm not the sun. I see a certain expression of the sun. Is that expression real? Absolutely, yes, and absolutely not. <laughs> it's real because it came from the sun. But is it, is it real? Is this the whole sun? <laughs> How do you compare it to the sun itself? It's an aspect that comes in. So whenever something has to be communicated into a different realm, a different world, it always has to go through a symptom. It always has to go through a filter. That communication is what Chazal will define by the word name, your name. Just like by a neshama. The neshama itself doesn't have a name. The neshama for itself doesn't need a name. The goof itself is a corpse. The connection, the way the neshama enlightens and informs and is experienced in the goof, that's the name captures. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Avram, and so forth. So it's very significant, the name. It's the channel of Chiyos. But what Chiyos? The Chiyos that's communicated like the light of the sun. To the, to, 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 the, to the lower space. There's a famous medrash. It says, Reb Tzaddik speaks about it, that there's three, ty- there's three dimensions to every person. There's who you are, there's who you think you are, and there's who other people think you are. <laughs> there's who you are, there's who you think you are, and then there's who other people think you are. So the last two, that's where the name comes in. The name is how I define you. Oh, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Reuven, Shimon. There could be a false name, Moitzi Shem Ra. It could be a beautiful name, but it's still a name. It's the way I have access to you. How do I have access to you? Through your name. So it doesn't only mean technically I call you by your name, Moshe. How, how am I going to speak? I say Moshe. But it also means spiritually. I have access to you through the energy being filtered in a particular way, and that's how I process you. And you always have to be able to make that distinction between the name and the substance. Somebody once wrote a song about somebody else. He says, the only thing we knew about Bob was that his name was not Bob. <laughs> right? The only thing we knew about Bob is that his name was not Bob. It's the only thing we knew about him. That his name was not his name. So what is, what, what is this Ola Hagdama for? The union of Yishtabach Shim Chalaat. Yishtabach Shim Chalaat. So he finishes off. This is the last, the last point. When you're expressed to others, how do I express my essence? Could I? I express myself through my name. That's what name is. Name is expression. It's a tool of expression. That's, that's yeah. So that's why when somebody is ill, they'll make him a shabedach and maybe add a name, because since the letters of the name are channels of energy, right? Like we learned about Adam. So therefore, you want to create, so to speak, new tzinoiris, new channels of energy. So we add the name. So add a name to create, so to speak, like a new channel, a new, a new tziner, a new conduit, a new conduit for chius. But the etzim hanashama itself, he says, the neshama before it's born doesn't have a name. That's why a name we give only later. After the soul comes into the gulf, whether it's by the bris or by a girl, by Kriya Satoira, whatever it is, but that's when you give the name, because the name represents already 
the way the neshama is concretized and goes through a tzimtzum in order to be able to be malubish in the guf. And that's not the neshama itself. The Gemara says in Nida that the neshama in the womb, when the child is in the womb of the mother, it sees from one end of the world to the other end of the world. Why don't I see from one end of the world to the other end of the world? And the answer is, once the soul settles in the body, now the soul has to function through the body. The moment a person passes away, chas v'shalom, or before we're born, the soul also sees. But the soul doesn't see through the eyes. The soul sees through the soul's eyes. And the soul's eyes don't limit your vision for a half a mile or even a mile. The vision is from one end of the world to the other end of the world. The same is true with hearing and understanding. In other words, the soul goes through a process where now everything is functioning through the body. The electricity of the soul is through the gulf. That's what the name captures. It's very significant because this is the hamshacha. But it's the concept of Eir, it's the light of the sun. And where is the core? The core is always here. It's just the core is beyond name. And it's always be able to make that distinction, to be able to know, are you describing the name of the person or are you describing the person with yourself also? Because often you could live your whole life only within the world of names. <laughs> this name, that name, right? I have this name, I have that name. I don't only mean if you have a na- this name or that name, you know, in the yeshiva or the shidduch system. I'm talking about even spiritually. It's to go, be able to go from names to essence. That's where the person could connect the outer with the inner. But this process of Dover Gadol coming into something else always needs a tzimtzum. And therefore, that's what a name is. A name is, how do I define you? And when I define you, it's already not you. It's the way I define you based on my tools, based on what I could receive. And based on what I could receive, how do I do that? That's defined by shame. In other places, it's defined by ayr. Okay, we'll take a break here. Everybody have a wonderful day. The next year of this Maimah will be here Monday morning, 7.45, by Ezra Hashem. Right, so you remember we once learned a Maimah, God in Lakuta Torah, Shir HaMalas in Rosh Hashanah, Shabbos, Shir HaMalas in that even when there's an Indian of Karis, it's only on the Pchin of Yaakov, not on the Pchin of Yisrael. Meaning, the Etzim HaNesham is never cut off. It's Echad, Yachid, and Meyuchid with Hashem always. It's the chorus, what's cut off is the way that the neshama is communicating and flowing into the body. The b'china of Yaakov. This taka dimension of neshama that always remains whole, always remains intact. It's a very interesting... What's the flow? Abyssal. The flow is interrupted. Just like sometimes... The core of the nefer, the core of the neshama, always remains. Isn't that the same flow? No, that's what we're learning here. That the flow is already the way the air becomes filtered and it's condensed. That's what its symptom is. It goes through a process like a name. When I say I know your name, I don't know your essence. I know a certain aspect of yourself that I can obtain, that I can understand, that I can relate to. Just like the light of the sun. I have the light of the sun here. I have the essence of the sun. I don't have the essence of the sun. I have something, something very important. Like I have the sun itself, it's, uh, it's really insignificant. But it's something. So when I say, 
I know your name, or I praise your name, it means that which allows itself to be absorbed by my kalim, by my vessels, and internalized through my tools. And over there, there can be a lot of interruptions. Like he says, you could close the shutters of the window, the, 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 the clouds can completely eclipse the light of the sun, and it's dark, or at least it's somewhat dark. Why? Because the sun is blocked. But the sun itself wasn't destroyed. It's blocked from my vision. I don't see it. I don't experience the warmth. I don't experience the heat. From my perspective, it's a pretty rainy and lousy, dreary day. But if you go above the clouds, the sun is shining. (laughs) Right? It says that chatoyim are compared to clouds. (laughs) Machisi cha'av p'sha'echa I have erased your sins, ka'av, like a, cl- a thick cloud. Ka'anon is a thinner cloud, Above the clouds, you know, sometimes the plane, it goes above the clouds, and the sun is beautiful. In every person's life you have that. Sometimes the clouds obstruct the flow. So the, so, the sun's light doesn't travel to me. Doesn't give me the vitamin D. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the clouds will dissipate. The clouds will uh, will move or be blown away. And then the sun appears. Right. So the dimension of the neshama. It's called Yaakov versus Yisrael. That's what he says in the Maimer, Shira Malashimamakim. The dimension of Yaakov could be cut off. That lifeline. That pipe, so to speak, gets cut. So the oxygen is not flowing all the way down. Right. So even even karis, it's not that they're cut off completely. In other words, forever, for eternity. Because there's always a nakud of the neshama that remains connected. And is tshuva, that, that's without tshuva? With tshuva, then there's no isuk, then the whole karis could be cancelled. Remember, if a person does tshuva, they can get rid of karis. Because Bezdin Shalomata, the court here can't cancel a punishment. But in heaven, I'm saying, if I, come, if I did an Aver and I come to Bezdin, I said, I repented, there's nothing they can do. But Legabe Hashem, if you repent, it's all over. So there's no karis, Bechla. Karis is only if there was no tshuva. If there's tshuva, there's no karis. But karis is only heavenly. Right, but I'm saying if he did tshuva, if he did tshuva down here, then he, then he could cancel the whole chorus. Tshuva helps, so there's no chorus. That makes that pipeline... It re- recreates it. And then another interesting question is that today, Bechla, we don't have chorus. Already for many generations, since the time of the Beis there's no chorus. Right? You have a person, he did sins of chorus, but there's no chorus. So in Igeris HaTshuvin, in a part of Tanya, the Balatanya explains, because for Karis to happen, you have to be in a place where your full energy is coming from your divine soul. But if the energy is coming from other sources, then there's no Karis. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Karis is a compliment, in other words. Well, in Galos, the Shekhinah goes into exile. So it sometimes feeds you the oxygen... Through external forces, Sitra Achara. It's distorted. 
God goes into exile. Like if you look in Chumash, when the Jews in the Midbar sinned, yeah, there were right away strong penalties. A plague here, a plague there. So we read these stories, and like, oh my God, such sinners. No, no, it's actually complimentary. They were so aligned that when they were misaligned, it wreaked havoc. It was a catastrophe. When you're not aligned, okay, so next, you know, you continue. If I'm living in a dysfunctional place, I could continue. If I'm completely functional, you know what I mean? When you regain the alignment, everything is different. It's different consequences. From after the Beis HaMikdash, yeah, no chorus. There's an Isser chorus, but not chorus. There's an Isser chorus. I may be engaging in a prohibition, which is chorus, which is very serious. Yeah. So the divine, it's not a personal thing. If, I, if one person does have it, it doesn't mean anything. It's a cloud. It, both are connected. So, yeah. You mean you're saying even a tzaddik, yeah, there's no... You're saying maybe there's exceptions of certain people, I don't know. But generally, there's no chorus today. Not the issur, the, the punishment, the penalty. I'll give an example. If, 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 uh, if somebody has a very good relationship with somebody else, let's say very close friends or a marriage, and they're very close, right? So if somebody says something that's insulting, there will be a, a, a rupture, and the pain will be palpable. So when you see that, you might say, oh, wow, these people are so sensitive and fighting. In another relationship, where there's no closeness, there won't be a rupture, you know why? Because <laughs> they don't care. It's like, shine. It's like I, I grow accustomed to it. The rupture is because there's a certain expectation, there's an alignment. So it's important to know the difference. <laughs> when you ask... This, I'm sorry, one second. This mimer is, is which one? The other one. We learned it. We ha- you have it online. Yeah, yeah. It's Shir HaMalas Mimamakim. Shir HaMalas Mimamakim. Yeah, if you put into the search Shir HaMalas Mimamakim, it should come up. Yeah, it's in Drushim Lurish Hashanah. Shir HaMalas Mimamakim Rasikhasha. He says clearly, very powerful line. He says, when it says the soul gets cut off, it's only on Yaakov. But Pchinus Yisrael could never be separated from Hashem. That's like the core of the sun. Even the clouds will not diminish the light of the sun itself. The, the sun itself. Sure. It's a pleasure to have you back. We missed you. Okay. Some people I saw on Zoom for two years, but you I didn't see on Zoom. So You're not... You're not a Zoomer. You're not a Zoomer. You, you like the real thing, yeah. No. You don't, doesn't mean that you have to do business with everybody because sometimes the light gets blocked. <laughs> what it means is when a person looks at themselves or looks at another person, you have to remember that at the core, there's always infinite light. But sometimes, unfortunately, my dark clouds can block my light. And then I have to be careful with myself. So you understand? So that's important. That was a really, really amazing speech. Yeah? Yeah. You understood? A lot of it is. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a deep soul, this boy. I went out with him after I realized I know him, actually. He's a close friend of ours. And these are friends. Thank you for coming. Pleasure to have you. Their body and their soul?
It's the, it's the shidduch of the soul and the body. The soul itself doesn't have a name. It doesn't need a name. The body on its own is like dead. It's like a refrigerator that's lifeless. When the soul connects to the body that's after birth, now we have a name, we're given a name, and the name captures that shidduch, that relationship. And it's important because this name is a channel for this energy. Because your energy is not my energy. We spoke about the DNA right last time. So your energy needs your name. Reuven needed to be called Reuven because that's who he was, Reiya. Shimon was Shmiya, different, different person, different mission. There's who you are, there's who you think you are, and there's who other people think you are. Very few people have all the three the same. <laughs> it should be a line, but very few people. Are. The thing is, I think the most important, because most people, I feel like they live only caring about what they think of themselves. But of course. Yeah. Welcome to the club. And you're only 18. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be learning about, how we get closer to the essence. But the first thing is you have to let go of thinking a whole day of how people think who you, of, of what people think of you. When I was your age, a little older, so somebody came to yeshiva to speak to us. His name is Rabbi Gershon Shusterman. And he told us, he said, what's the difference between a 20-year-old and a 40-year-old and a 60-year-old? So he said, a 20-year-old or an 18-year-old is very self-conscious. Who am I? Who am I not? Which clique do I fit in? What type of hairdo? What type of mahalach? What type of group of friends? Who am I going to marry? What do I look like? You know, I'm very aware of who I am and who I want to be and how people see me. He says, at 40, you reach a point point. you say, you know what, I couldn't care less what you think about me. You don't like me, you could jump into the Hudson River or to the Pacific. This is who I am. I don't care if you're looking at me this way, you're looking at me that way. This is who I am. He says, at 60, you realize nobody was ever looking at you. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a journey, but sometimes we could uh, help ourselves already earlier... Uh, cultivate certain attitudes that are helpful. Yeah, listen, we, we come hardwired to be affected by our environment, and different personality types are more sensitive and more affected, you know. There's people whose brains are simply conditioned to be much more sensitive to feedback, yeah? How a person deals with truth, yeah. And nev- ne- never mind if there's trauma, meaning... If I experienced some form of danger early on in my life, I may have to be on alert 24 hours a day. You know, I may always have to be. I can't put down my guard because when I put down my guard, I'm afraid what's going to happen. So when a person experiences that, then they're in a very serious state of being a victim to other people's opinions. I can't even think about me. I, I don't have the mental space, you know. Imagine somebody is, uh, feels like they're in a lion's den. <laughs> All they can think about is dodging, <laughs> dodging the lion. You know, safety, survival. So imagine if I'm in that space. You know what I mean? I can't even do anything else. You want me to think about me? <laughs> Get me out of this den, I'll start thinking about me. Yeah, so this is the journey that all of us are involved in, in one way or another. Yeah, very good, very good. 18 going on 60. I like it.
And I just, I'm really trying to like find out like, how to get there. You can't, there's no like, there's no. I wish. But really, it is that. Really, you know, it's a nakuda. It's a. You're there more than you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're closer than you think. What's the meaning of the Kabbalah of the Arizal and the Kabbalah of the Balatanya? Okay, great question. So, the Kabbalah of the Arizal, the Arizal lived in the 1500s in Svas, and the Arizal was Mechadish a lot in Kabbalah, meaning he brought in a lot of new ideas into Kabbalah that weren't there before. The Ramak, his teacher, was like an encyclopedia. He wrote like an encyclopedia of Kabbalah. He organized all the teachings till the Arizal. The Arizal continued that, but the Arizal also, you know, developed and explained and very new, profound concepts in Kabbalah. The Balhatanya is based on the Arizal. His teachings are based on the Arizal. But this goes into a genre that's called Chassidus. Chassidus. What's the difference? Kabbalah, the terminology is usually very abstract, meaning it uses the language of spheroids and gematrias, and names, and levels, and worlds. Most of Kabbalah is written in code language, like a chida, like a riddle. You know, there's a riddle, and you have to undo the riddle. Chassidus is the concept of the Arizal, but the Balatanya especially tried to bring it down in a way that's applicable to a person's life, a person's soul. This was generally all the Hasidic masters from the Balshemtiv. The Balatanya, his system was called Chabad, just Chachma bin Adas, because there was a tremendous focus on internalization intellectually and emotionally and viscerally. That's Chachma bin Adas. Chachma is the ability for a person to experience Kayachma, which means Kayachma is the ability to absorb infinity. Bina is intellectual internalization. And Das is visceral internalization. Adam Yada is Chava. Adam Nu Chava means he connected to her to be connected. So it's the teachings of the Arizal. There's no contradiction between the Arizal and the Balatanya. Um, uh, in fact, he writes somewhere that he cannot ever contradict Arizal because called Varav Mepi Eliyahu. Whatever he said comes from Eliyahu and obviously he can't contradict it. But uh, he developed it in that particular, uh, in a particular fashion. So you just like took the Arizal teaching and you put it, you made it like applicable to so Applicable like, and relevant kind of and, and that's what he tried to do, yeah. You see in all the Maimarim, yeah, like yeah. this, he takes the word Ayr and he analyzes and explains what does Ayr mean and how is it going to apply to life, etc. Because the word Ayr is always in Kabbalah. What does it really mean? Um, yeah. Another component is, and this is also connected, um, Kabbalah is the language, the spiritual language of the divine science of creation. Um, I, I would say like this. Lahavdil, what mathematics is to, what mathematics, what physics, what mathematics is to physics is Kabbalah to Hasidus. Physics employs the language of math. Right? You learned probably in school. Hasidus employs the language of Kabbalah. So Kabbalah gives the language. The, the main theme of Hasidus is to reveal the oneness the oneness of the world and the oneness of creation and the oneness in a person. The language it uses is the spiritual language of Kabbalah. But the theme, the, the Rebbe Rashab once said, the world thinks that Chassidus is an explanation on Kabbalah. Really, Kabbalah is an explanation on Chassidus, which means Chassidus is really coming to convey the oneness in life. 
it uses the language of Kabbalah to explain and to define it, and the Kabbalah shows how it works with all of the levels that are connected to the Tzimtzumim and the Ayr. But the theme of it, what's the ultimate point, that's that's what Chassidus tried to convey. So there's a, there is a symbiotic unity and oneness between the two. You get what I'm saying a little yeah, bit? Yeah. I like that, the math to physics. Math to physics, yeah. That, they applied it to their own. Yeah, yeah, physics uses the language of math, but it's not math. In fact, could a physics used another another language? Probably, and maybe it would have been clearer. <laughs> but Chassidus Lepoel uses the language of Kabbalah. That's the language it uses. But it's the language of Kabbalah. So everything, everything in Chassidus is talking about like, the oneness? All of Chassidus is about the oneness. What do you mean by the oneness? Yichud, yeah, the oneness. The unification. Yeah, but what I mean by oneness is the oneness in a person, to be able to find oneness in your life. We all have so many different personality, so, so many different moods and instincts and emotions and sensations, be able to see the oneness, be able to see the oneness in other people, they will see the oneness in the world. Oneness on every level, achtos Hashem. So not like good or bad, just one? That bad is part of oneness. Chassidus is not into duality. They don't like the splits. Of course. But that's what everybody is looking for. You see today, when you speak to young people about the split inside of them, their good part and their bad part, it doesn't resonate. Why? Because the truth is everything is good. Just sometimes the good is processed in a way that it looks bad. Look at yourself, you'll see. You think you have bad parts? Say the truth. No. Very good. <laughs> Nobody taught you that you're allowed to say that. You don't have bad parts. You just don't know how good you are, so you think you have bad parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is that... It's so, when you're like... Because there's a difference. When you're in like a really good mood... Life... No, really... Life it's is just rosy. The sun is shining, yeah. The sun is shining, yeah. Right? And when you're in a bad mood, it's, it's, everything is bad, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's when you need some exercise. Really? Yeah, in a cold shower. I don't know if everybody said in their own way, but yeah. The bad mood makes everything look bad. Yeah. It's not really bad, it just makes me look, it makes me see things as bad. Your perception defines the reality. Yeah. So if you have like, if you're a munas at a high level, then there are no bad. Everybody's a munas on a high level. The question is how much I'm conscious of it. Remember, the sun is never compromised because there's clouds. The sun is always present. In the moment, it's like there's a shade in front of you, so you'll be able to see it. Right, so we have to open the window. We have to let let the clouds pass. As the world turns, yeah. right, it's nighttime, it's still not. Right, even at night the sun is still around. Just I don't see it. What's crazy? That the sun is always around? That's true, yeah. That's the MS. That's what it means to see the oneness, to understand the oneness. Even the Eight Sahara, right? Even the Eight Sahara, it's not evil. 
essentially, it's not evil. We call it the evil inclination, right? But the Mishnah says in Brachis, Vahaftas Hashem Alekecha Bechalavavcha. You remember? Vishnei Yitzarecha. You should love Hashem, even with Yitzhahara. If it was so evil, how can you love Hashem with Yitzhahara? Good question. That's what it says in Zayar. The Yitzhahara wants you. Right. That's true. So deep down, the Yitzhahara is not bad. The Yitzhahara is just. It covers over the light in order for you to be able to reach your potential. That's on one level. On a deeper level, even the negativity of the Yitzhahara is just a distortion of goodness. It's just covering over the goodness. In other words, if you go deep down, you'll see that even the Yitzhahara, it's not really craving evil. It's craving godliness. Yeah. Yeah. It's just lost in translation. The language has become a broken language, but really what it's looking for is not what it says it's looking for. It's like when you have an addict who's looking for alcohol. They're not looking for alcohol. They're looking for a relationship. They're looking for somebody to make them feel good about themselves. They don't have such a person, so they go to the alcohol. Completely different. The person is not looking for alcohol. They tell you they're looking for alcohol. They're really looking for love, which they never got. They're looking for connection. The only love they have now is alcohol. <laughs> you understand? So the Yitzhahara is not looking for bad. The Yitzhahara is looking for God. But the language it has now is, I'm looking for this, looking for that. But that's not really who it is. Yeah. Exactly. That's why you don't really have bad parts. You only have good parts. But sometimes we don't. Re- our bad parts are the parts that are really good, but they don't recognize how good they are. So they confuse us that they're bad. <laughs> they make us think they're bad. Yeah. 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 So that's the nakuda of a lot of the maimarim of the balatanya to be able to see that the pnimius. The core of everything is really divine oneness. It's really love. A lot of hatzloch in everything. Hatzloch in your exams and your finals. Finished? Okay, mazel tov. You're graduating this year? Wow, okay. Beautiful. A lot of success. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to continue on Monday. Thank you so much, man. You're the best. Thank you so much. You're the best. I, I can't wait. Ah. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.